to draw close to you, Father. Let our hearts beat with your heartbeat as Lord.
let's give praise to the Lord. Everybody, honor the Lord. Hallelujah. Everyone stand. Everyone stand. I want you to lift up holy hands and I want you to honor our God. He is faithful. He is true. Ever merciful. Mighty God. Awesome God. Hallelujah. There's just something about today. You need to praise the Lord. You need to honor God. You need to open up your lips and open up your heart. This is worship. This is worship. Hallelujah. 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 God be praised in the house of the Lord. I, I came over looking for Sister Pam Falk. She was here during worship, but she may have already left. She's in the back. Come here, Pam. Hallelujah. Thursday afternoon. Is she coming? Yes, here she comes. You normally sit down front. Amen. Thursday afternoon, her little grandson, seven years of age, little Nicholas, never runs out towards traffic, never plays near the traffic, but saw his grandmother coming down the road and just instantaneously darted out to meet her. Well, there was an oncoming car doing about 40 miles an hour that hit little Nicholas. Pam's daughter, Jennifer, sings in the choir. Nicholas is one of our children's church children. And he was hit and thrown a distance uh, by that car. And God is merciful. God is good. God is awesome. When we were there and uh, right there, I mean, it was, we didn't even get a 911 call in before there was a policeman there. He just, the car just drove up. And within 20 minutes, they had him at the hospital. But they said, you know, the whole thing was, this is really bad. And they did not expect him to make it because they had a homicide, um, vehicular homicide detective come in and talk to us. And, but from the moment, God's hand was there just from that, he, um, has some skull fractures and all that, but all of his vital signs have been perfect and in the normal range. Um, they took they the brain monitor. monitor, and they took that out this morning. Everything was looking really good. Matter of fact, when the um, doctor was looking in his eyes, he kept squinching and trying to fight her because he didn't want her to look, and she was excited about it because she said that telling her, the doctor is saying, He's telling her, don't bother me. He knows what's going on. And his brain is working and all his functions are awesome. And everything that we have come in, the doctors have said, well, we saw this. And then they looked at it and said, no, it's not. You know, two, two fractures they thought in his head and his neck. And then they're like, no, that's not what this is. This is. And it is after all the prayer each time they come in and somebody has come in and they have prayed and we've gotten everything going. 
and then they come in and, and it's all different and it's God's mighty hand that's going to heal him and he's going to walk and, and worship God hallelujah hallelujah won't you lift your hands to the Lord and give him praise come on worship the Lord he is near always their adult son was skiing yesterday and had a bad accident skiing and uh, has broken his lower back but he's going to be fine they've got him in a uh, as of this morning they're not going to have to do surgery but they do have him in a back brace that was a miracle of God's intervention there because that certainly could have been life threatening and sister Nancy Barrett uh, is most likely watching online right now but on her way to prayer uh, last night uh, had an automobile accident totaled her car and so before prayer we were at the hospital with uh, Pam and the grandson there and after prayer we were at the hospital with Nancy and I'm just thankful that God is on the throne and that he is a mighty mighty God amen hallelujah please find your Bibles and turn to Jonah chapter 3 Jonah chapter 3 Thank you, worship team. God bless you. Thank you to all of our choir and worship arts department. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm thankful I serve a living God. We were singing about him this morning. Amen. God bless you for your giving. Those beautiful aerial shots of the fireworks while they were going off. I was just saying, Lord, let those fireworks prophesy to the darkness and let them roll back the darknesses. We're celebrating light and we're celebrating Jesus. Amen. Jonah chapter 3. And uh, I, I want to thank Pastor Bill and Sister Vanessa. Today we celebrate eight years that they've been in ministry here at Evangel Temple. And we appreciate their ministry among us. Evangel Temple has one of the best senior adults ministries anywhere, and we appreciate their leadership. Amen. Well, we're in 90 days of prayer for our nation, and we ask you to fast for seven days, one meal a day. Did it kill anybody this week? Amen. If you will fast, I believe it will help restore health in your being. 
I believe some of your numbers will improve concerning your health. And I'm asking you one more week, fast one meal a day. Everybody can do that. That's doable. A complete fast, one meal a day. And join us. All of the times of prayer were listed. I believe that prayer is urgent. Revival is going to intensify as we fast and seek the Lord. All right, from Jonah chapter 3, beginning with verse 5, and I right up front will apologize for my voice, and uh, we're, we're just struggling with the voice this morning, so you pray for me that the Holy Ghost will anoint us this morning. Verse 5 says, So the people of Nineveh believed God, and they proclaimed a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. I want you to be reminded of those words. They're very important. You're going to see them again in history. From the greatest to the least of them. For the word of the Lord came to the, even the king of Nineveh. You'll see this again. Watch it. He arose from his throne. He laid his robe from him. He covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. He caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast herd nor flock, taste anything. You realize what he's saying there? That all of the people from the greatest to the least and the animals would be affected by this fast. They would be fasting also. They led the people in fasting and their animals were to fast. I want you to hold that thought. You're going to see something paralleling this in history in a few moments. And so all of the animals fasted, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from their evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works. Look at that. God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said he would do unto them, and he did it not. That's an important statement right there. God, who changes not, changed his mind. God never changes. That's one of the immutable characteristics of God. And yet here he clearly had planned judgment for Nineveh, had decreed that in 40 days judgment would destroy the city, all of the inhabitants. And he repented. The word in the Hebrew means he changed his mind. He turned from what he was about to do in judging Nineveh to sparing Nineveh. And actually the blessing of God was bestowed upon Nineveh. If you read the epitaph, from this time of repentance, you see that Nineveh began to be very blessed and Assyria, the, the kingdom, the empire, went through a, a time of blessing. It lasted for over a hundred years until they turned from God again. And God eventually, because of that turning back to the evil of their ways, he brought judgment eventually in their history future. You may be seated. I want to remind us that the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord and that God can still move kings. God's going to deal with pharaohs. God's going to deal with kings. God's going to deal with presidents. God's going to deal with people of nations. Amen. And he's going to deal with us. 
The king made the decree for everyone to fast. Every man in verse 8 began to cry out to God. And the Bible says from that crying, you see, sir, it's one thing for you to cry out to God. It's another thing for you to turn from the evil in your life. And it says that they turned from their evil ways. Remember chapter 1, verse 2, that their evil was so wicked, it came up before God, and God had destined to destroy, but they turned from their evil. That's what repentance is all about. Repentance is confessing to God, realizing that we are sinners, and we repent of our sins. And repentance means I do a 180, and I turn from my sinful ways, and I turn towards God. I put off the sinfulness. I put off the things, the works that I was doing, and I turned towards God. God saw their repentance, and he is looking today for cities to turn to God, for people to turn to God, for America to turn to God. And it says he repented of the evil he said he would do towards them. Well, we know the history that God did spare Nineveh. And it was at their midnight hour. I'm telling you, just close, when you get down to 40 days, you've been a city for 1,200 years. You've been one of the greatest cities in all of humankind. And you get down to 40 days left, and you're going to be destroyed. You're at the midnight hour. I'm telling you, at the midnight hour, God came on the scene for Nineveh. And God turned Nineveh around as they repented and turned from their evil and turned to him. And it was the salvation of Nineveh at the midnight hour. Point number one this morning, the salvation of Israel. And I want everyone to go to Exodus chapter 12. But we see the salvation of Israel at the midnight hour. The midnight hour. When it's midnight, God spared the Israeli people. It was midnight in Egypt, and God came with deliverance. Close to the midnight hour, the Bible is clear in Exodus chapter 12. It says in Exodus chapter 12, verse 29, It came to pass at midnight the Lord smote the firstborn, in all of Egypt, the land of Egypt, from the firstborn unto Pharaoh, the king that sat on the throne, unto the firstborn of the captive in the dungeon, and all of the firstborn of the animals and the cattle. Do you remember the parallel with Jonah? That Jonah, that from the king to the least, they repented, even uh, fasted, the animals fasted, but now in history you have you have the illustration of Pharaoh, that from Pharaoh to the dungeon, they all met the judgment of God. You see the judgment of God on Egypt. You see even the cattle were judged and the firstborn. The Bible's quite clear that where the blood was not, there was judgment. We still believe in the importance of the blood. We still believe in having our homes and our families covered by the blood. Amen? Well, the salvation of Israel came at their midnight hour. Things could get no worse in Egypt. 
They were in slavery. They were in bondage. And, and they were under the, the hand, the handprint of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was, was causing them uh, to, to do all of his tasks. And, and they were just under a great oppression. And they began to cry out. The men of Nineveh cried out. And God heard their cry. The children of Israel at midnight cried out. As I begin to look at this word in verse 29, I want you to see this in Exodus 12. It says, at the midnight hour, the Lord smote all of the firstborn. I want everybody to turn over in the scriptures to Matthew. Come on, turn over to Matthew 25. And I want you to see what Jesus said concerning midnight. I'm going to show you some things here that's going to lay a foundation for our study about midnight over the next few weeks. Matthew, <clears throat> do pardon my voice. I am struggling with this, but the Holy Ghost is going to anoint the word. Amen. Verse 5, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered. And at midnight, there was a cry made. At midnight, everybody say midnight. When did the bridegroom come? Very clear. Who is telling this? Jesus. He said at midnight. Is he prophesying concerning his own return? I have reason to believe, and I want everyone's attention, that the coming of the Lord, the second exodus, you have the first exodus taking place at midnight. You have the first exodus at midnight in Egypt. I believe that the second great exodus, the first is portraying the second. It is symbolic of the second. I believe that the second very possibly is going to be at the midnight hour. I believe that Jesus, when he says, uh, the, the bridegroom cometh, he's referring to himself. And he knows that uh, whenever, whatever day that will be, it's going to be at the midnight hour. I'm telling you, there's something powerful the plagues had come upon Egypt, and they were there in the land of Goshen. Let me tell you, prior to the first exodus, it mattered where they lived. It mattered that they were in the land of Goshen. Amen? In the land of Goshen, there was light in the dwelling places of the children of Israel. It was a blessed land. It was a covered land. The plagues did not come to Goshen. I want to tell you, I believe as we grow close to the second coming of the Lord, you want to be in the land of Goshen. Amen. It may not be a territorial place in the natural realm, but it, there is a spiritual place, a land of Goshen. There's also a second principle. You want to stay under the blood. You want to have the blood on your doorpost, the blood on the lintel of your house. I believe that as we get close to the second exodus, you may see the angel of death go through the land. If the first is symbolic of the second, we may see a repeat of what happened with the first taking place prior to the second. And there was an angel of death that smote the people where there was not the covering of the blood. Let me remind you, you need to stay covered by the blood. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. At midnight, there was a cry that rang out both in Exodus with the children of Israel and with the bridegroom coming. There was a cry that rang out. And it's important at midnight to make sure that you're close to the coming of the Lord. Point number two, 
Salvation for America could be at our midnight hour. How many have ever Googled and looked at the doomsday clock? I want you to hold your hand up. You can go online and there's a doomsday clock. It is not written or, or surveyed or put there for any spiritual reason, but only looking at natural events in our world. It is done by natural peoples with no spiritual intent. And they monitor what's happening in the world. And that doomsday clock is just before midnight. As they look at what's happening all over the world in the nations of the world, the doomsday clock, the world's clock, they say we're getting close to the end. If the world can say we're getting close to the end, why can't half of the virgins that Jesus talks about be awakened in the last hour and know you don't need to be slumbering, you don't need to be sleeping, you need to trim your lamps and you need to be ready. Behold, the bridegroom cometh at the midnight hour. I wish I could preach like I'm wanting to preach right now. Amen. We are living at one of the darkest times in American history. Yesterday we celebrated 239 years our birthday as a nation. And we pause and we give praise to Almighty God who has blessed us. He has blessed us more than any other empire in all of human history. America has been blessed. I don't know why if you're not happy in America, you don't pack up and move. You need to go find a country you'll be happy in. Don't stay here and be unhappy. As for me and my house, we're going to acknowledge God's been good to America. God's blessed America. God's highly favored America. I want you to raise your hands and praise the Lord for the way he has blessed our nation. Amen. Amen. But America could be at its midnight hour. Spiritually, our nation is running away from God and things economically and uh, militarily and as far as our, our protection and our, uh, his covering of our, our nation, it could crumble very quickly. I'm telling you, we need to be careful and we need to return to our God. People are selling out our nation. Listen to me. In history, and I'm about to give you a brief history lesson. In history, there were those who betrayed those they were following. One of those names is Benedict Arnold. How many know that name in history? His name has become a byword in all of American history and, in fact, much of the world. His name, if you read all about him, and I read from a number of sources this week, his name is a byword because it's synonymous with treason with defecting from our national interest. I, I want to tell you, friends, uh, that in the midst of the Revolutionary War, God had blessed Benedict Arnold, and he was a great military leader. He was one of the great American generals. But for money and position, he sold and betrayed America to the British. He, he made a pact with one of the, uh, the, the British leaders that on such and such a day, in fact, on September 21, 1780, he defected. And with that defection, he began to fight alongside of the British troops 
in Virginia and even against the people of his own home state, Connecticut. When you read the epitaph of Benedict Arnold, you read one who died at age 60, an agonizing death. He literally in this life reaped what he, he sowed. It, you read about his death, and friends, it was a very cruel death that he faced. I'm telling you, uh, you saw the man reap. They, even some of the places where he tried to move, they would burn his figure in effigy because uh, they still called him a betrayer, a, a traitor, even as, after he had moved to Canada and then moved to Britain or to England. He died an agonizing death. What name is synonymous in Christian ranks? Judas betrayed Jesus. He sold him out for money. He sold him out. I, I want to tell you, I believe that in the last days we see people uh, we see an apostate church and we see people selling out the gospel and selling out their fundamental beliefs in the word of God, selling out the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be careful that a spirit of betrayal does not come on you in the last days. You need to be loyal to Jesus and loyal to his church. The Holy Ghost is going to have to anoint that because I can't say it like I'm wanting to say it right now, but I'm telling you, friends, there is a spirit of betrayal that gets in. What happened in Benedict Arnold, he got a little bitter. And he got some bitterness in his spirit. And he felt he, he, was, he did not tend to that and deal with that bitterness. And uh, he, he began to sell himself out and sold his nation out. I want to tell you, you better remain loyal in these last days. America is in a midnight hour. Point number three, we're to arise at midnight. The tenets of our faith remind us of the imminent return of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In Matthew 25, Jesus said, Watch, for you know not what hour the Lord cometh. Matthew 24, he said, No man knows the day nor the hour. Mark 13, Not even the Son of Man or the angels which are in heaven know the hour. But Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, Of the times and the seasons be not ignorant or unaware. There are indicators. There are reminders. There are things going on that point to the fact we're getting closer than man's ever been to the history, uh, to the return of Jesus Christ. And we're literally at the midnight hour. Amen? We are not date setters. And I want to repeat that. We are not date setters. We will not stand up here and give you a, a day and an hour and a time. But I will tell you that one of our cardinal fundamental teachings is that we believe in the imminent return of Jesus, that he could come today. Amen. And we're going to get men ready for it because we believe it's coming soon. In Luke 21, he says, When you see all these things taking place, lift up your heads. Behold, your redemption draweth nigh. We're commanded to watch in Matthew 24, Matthew 25, in the book of Jude, in the day of judgment, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus talked about Jonah will stand up and the Ninevites will stand up and accuse the last day generation. He talked about the queen of Sheba of Ethiopia that will stand up and indict the last day generation. I'm telling you what, what was happening and what Jesus was saying is because the last days people will not be watching. People will not be listening to the message. 
Jonah preaches a message. He goes in and preaches a message, and the people heeded the message. And, and Jesus says the last days will see uh, Jonah stand up and indict a generation that did not hear a message. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming soon. It's time for the church to arise. Hallelujah. I want the worship team to come back. And I don't want you to go anywhere. Amen. Revival is for today. How many saw the two planets come together this week? Raise your hand. Jupiter and Venus came together in one of the most beautiful portrayals on the western sky Tuesday evening. It was incredible. This is, they didn't actually touch, but they were so close on the horizon that they looked like one star. And it was one of the most breathtaking things to behold. And, and I stood out there watching from my driveway those two planets as they had come so close. This has not happened in human history for 2,000 years. They tell you that in 3 B.C., which is very possibly when Jesus was born, those two planets came together and formed. They form a star. And it's a beautiful star. In fact, the news this week was calling it when they come together and form what you perceive as one star, they call it the Star of Bethlehem. It's not happened in 2,000 years. And the first time, if it was the announcement of his first advent, I just wonder what might have been the message when this week two planets came close enough together to create the spectacle so that we saw the star of Bethlehem which has not been seen in 2,000 years. Amen. Thursday in your news, this picture was posted and Fox News first did the story on it but then it's hit the news services. And it was a picture taken in Seattle, Washington by a photographer. And this photographer was filming, was filming the bald eagle in flight and all of a sudden and you know the bald eagle the american eagle represents america you see him on top of our flag and i want you to look at this and i want you to think and i want you to watch and see if this is not something that resonates in your spirit but this crow lands on the back of the eagle while it's in full flight the crow and the eagle are enemies with one swoop of its talons it could kill that crow. The American eagle has mastery over the crow. And yet, it allowed that crow to land on its back. If you watch the video of this, you see that the crow began to dance on the back of the American eagle. I, I typed in and began to look up, what is the crow? I, I know what I've always believed and what I feel the crow represents, but I began to research it and look. People who are in the occult and in false religions will tell you that the crow symbolizes dark spiritual guides. Evil spirits. An evil spirit, possibly. Did it land on the back of America? Is there a sign? Is there a wonder? 
is it, does Jesus tell us to look up and watch so that there might be some things we wonder about what's going on, what's taking place? Is there a message? I want to tell you, America has embraced a lot of things that are not right biblically, that do not hold the test of the scriptures and the foundation stones that made this nation great and made this nation a blessed nation. I'll leave that open to you, but friends, it was a picture that spoke to my spirit because I believe that America has, has opened its arms to the altars of Baal. And we've sacrificed our children. We forgot the word of God. We've disobeyed the very laws of God. We have tried to rewrite the word of God. I don't know. Maybe it's just a crow and an eagle. Or maybe God just sent a further reminder or two further reminders this week. Things are getting close. Signs are in the heavens. Jesus said, watch. Be the generation that watches. Maybe he's reminding a nation you need to repent. You don't need to embrace evil. Don't let evil dance around on your back. Oh, that strong, mighty bird can rise up with even a crow on its back. But friends, that crow was never meant to fly on the back of an eagle. You were meant and have a higher calling. I want everybody to stand. Joel says in the last days, blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all of the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh. It is nigh at hand. Joel prophesied of the coming of the Lord. Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even with all of your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garment. Turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. There it is. Joel says it. He, he says it after Jonah that, that God repents of the evil he was going to do. He changes his mind. Friends, I believe he can do that today. I, I just sense that God gave us a message about Nineveh in a, a crucial hour for America. That we are to repent of our sins. Prayer is urgent. The devil will discourage you from prayer. The devil will keep you from prayer. The devil will stop you from prayer. You see, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. And the devil fears nothing but you pray. And so he attacks people who pray. But that's the time to prevail in prayer. There's no prayer like that of prevailing prayer. 
Abraham pleading for Sodom, Jacob wrestling in the stillness of the night, Moses standing in the breach, Hannah intoxicated with sorrow, David heartbroken with remorse, Jesus with sweat, drops of blood. Prevailing prayer turns ordinary mortals into men of power. Brings power, brings fire, brings rain, brings life, brings God. When men begin to pray, and God spared Nineveh. And Joel says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. From the oldest to the young, from the rich to the poor, gather the children and those that suck the breast and let the bridegroom go forth into his chamber and the bride out of her closet. It's time we come out of our closet. Everybody else is coming out of the closet. It's time Christians come out. Now, the one closet you stay in is the closet of prayer. But I mean the, the closet that's kept us obscure and silent and apathetic. And we've allowed evil to come in and ride on the back of, a, of, a, of an American eagle when that eagle ought to be soaring with divine destiny and fulfillment and calling. And you ought to be soaring rather than allowing evil on your back. And it shall come to pass afterwards, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And upon thy servants and thy handmaids in those days I will pour out of my spirit, saith the Lord. I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood, fire, pillars of smoke the sun shall be turned into darkness the moon into blood the fourth of the blood moons will be here in two months before the great and terrible day of the Lord and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name everybody lift your hands we're going to stand in behalf of our nation and our children right now that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall deliverance flow, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord God shall call. I'm going to blow this shofar, and I want you to lift up a shout.
friends. Hallelujah. I want everybody to lift your hands. I want us to pray for America right now. All over this sanctuary. Everybody online. Come on. Weep for America. Blow the trumpet in Zion. If you need to be at this altar, run to this altar. Come on. If you need to repent of your sins, run to this altar. Come on. Let's weep for America. Let's cry out for America. Cry out for America. God, save our nation. Forgive our nation. Forgive our nation, O oh Lord. Heal our land. Turn our nation towards you. I want everybody in this sanctuary, everyone online, I want you to repent for the sins of our nation right now. Let's repent. Come on, let's repent. Whatever sins come to your mind in behalf of America, Let's pray a prayer of repentance. Everyone, I'm telling you, this will move the heart of God. He'll change his mind. Everyone repent for our nation. And if you need to be at this altar, you do what these are doing. If you need to personally repent, come. If a spirit of betrayal has been in your spirit, you better run to this altar before it gets in your family. God is merciful. 
God is merciful. Lord, we repent. Church, lift up your voice on behalf of America. We repent, God, for our departure from your word, for the cracks in the foundation caused by our own departure. Lord, we have built our altars of Baal and we have worshiped at false altars. We've worshiped false gods. And you said in your word, thou shalt have no other gods before me. We repent and we declare that you are the eternal Jehovah God, Yahweh God. There's none like unto you. Mighty art thou, O God. Hallelujah. We repent for the sins God, this nation is, is engaged in even at the present. Forgive us, O Lord. Be merciful, O Lord. Cover our sins by the precious blood of Jesus. Lord, you would have spared Sodom and Gomorrah had you found ten righteous people. But you did not. You didn't find a handful of righteous people in Pompeii in 70 A.D. But God, you found a city in Nineveh in 700 B.C. that turned to God with fasting and seeking God. Lord, in 2015, find a people that will humble themselves. Come on, do what these are doing. If you need to repent of your sins, come. Come on, come from the balcony, under the balcony. If you need to repent, come on. Repent while there's time. Repent while there's an, an ability to do so. Repent. God is merciful. God is merciful. God, have mercy on us. If you're away from God, if you're a backslider, come running right now. Come on, friends. The coming of the Lord is near. If you want to pray for America, come to this altar right now. If you want to pray for your families, come to this altar. Weep. Weep for those that are outside. Weep for those that are not in the ark. Weep for your children. Weep for your children. It's been a long time since you bowed a knee. 
Your children need that heritage. Your children need to see that. Come on, parents. Come on, grandparents. This young generation needs to see fathers and mothers and grandparents calling on the name of God. Come running. Come running. Grown in the spirit. Grown in the spirit. 